welcome to Novel Not New, a True End podcast. This is a show that we do monthly where we treat visual novels like a book club. We choose one, we play through it, sometimes with our audience, and then we discuss it here. I'm Jennifer Uncle. I'm at Six Detmar. And I'm M. Marco. So today we've, um, well, for December, we decided to choose something that's slightly in the mood for the season with uh, Rose of Winter. Um, it's a visual novel by Pillow Fight Games, and uh, we, we've covered a few of their things here before, like uh, Ghosts of Miami, and um, yeah, and it's basically about you playing this knight in, well, an aspirational knight named Rosemary, who is um, camping at the base of this um, snowy mountain called Matt Needle at this tavern and is looking for people to guide across the mountain. And you can choose between four different princes and uh, each prince has their good ending and their bad ending. So uh, to start with, um, what'd y'all think of this? I thought this was a nice little, like, very, like, it's it's pretty short. I think every route takes takes about half an hour. Um, but it's a very, like, nice bite-sized um, visual novel, you know, like not too many roots, not too many choices, but the writing was enjoyable and the characters, like, I thought starting out, like, I mean, the first one I did was, was Kuya, who's kind of like the, like, the sort of like wild man hunter is how the game sort of pitches him. Um, and I was like, okay, I feel like I, I immediately know what this game is and it's not exactly that I was wrong. But it's a lot more earnest and interested in, in trying to say something than I expected. And um, I don't know, it's just really nice. Uh, yeah, I mostly agree with this. Uh, I uh, I generally like dating games. I wish that a lot of them weren't exceptionally long. And this game being like four hours as, was a treat. Uh, I was very excited because I was worried this was going to be like one of those where I just had to pick a route and stick with it because I didn't have time for all of them. And that is not the case. Uh, I think the writing is better than average for this style of game. Um, specifically in the choices that get you good endings, I think are very well thought through in a way that you don't get in a lot of Atome games. Hmm. Yeah, totally. Like, um, there's two general kind of endings for each character. One that's the good ending and one that's the sad ending. And, uh, for the most part, both of them are pretty satisfying. Like, there's this twinge of, um, remorse in terms of think things could be just a little bit better, but it's not, it doesn't beat you over the head with, oh, you made all the wrong choices and now it's just a, now you have to live with the consequences. It's more of a sort of, oh, it's, it's a shame that didn't work out better, but that's life. Yeah. I agree with that. And I was going to say, like, there are characters, I only got like one ending with each, uh, with each person. Um, because like, I mean, there are, there are characters like, I think, uh, Tarun, who I think I probably got the sad ending, but it seemed really fitting. So I was like, okay, no, that's fine. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. And in, in terms of, uh, in terms of Faulkner, there isn't much of a difference actually between the good and the sad ending. The only difference is, uh, whether you're the one that says, oh, this can't work, or if he's the one that says it can't work. But um, to be fair, the, way the, it ends with you. The sad ending of that one, he is a real jerk to you. Oh, yeah, tr- true. He he basically 
chides you for being childish and ready to do something, even though he's the one that pulled you out of the cave you were staying in and went, hey, let's go run away together. Let's stitch this whole thing. So in either case, he's the one that prompts that initial... Well, he's the one that's like, okay, let's actually go through with this. And then, yeah, either he's a jerk to you or you have to let him down um, softly. Which which kind of stinks. I don't like Faulkner very much. No. No, he definitely seems like the worst character in the game to me. Yeah, um, he, he's constantly making comments about your bulkiness, and uh, it, it seems like occasionally he contributes it to Wade instead of you being this really muscular character, which Rosemary is. And, uh, yeah, it's... He just sucks. Yeah, that's the good way of putting it. And Kuya kind of sucks too, but that's not in a. He sucks in a way that's kind of like, oh, he's had a very, he's had a very tough child, and he just wants to impress upon people, and he seems to understand that what he did was wrong. While Faulkner's like, hey, whatever, I'm a prince, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for me, the thing that I like most about this game is so many of the choices and uh, storylines follow Rosemary, like standing up for herself and insisting that her like worldview and her background are meaningful uh against like characters that should have power over her and insisting that they don't and Faulkner's is so much about just like undercutting that in a way that feels very generic like my problem with a lot of Otome games is that you're essentially telling the person you want to date what they want to hear at the expense of your own like agency as a character um and i most the other routes definitely uh, go against that grain, and Faulkner's doesn't, or you just feel like he's steamrolling you. Yeah, totally. And, uh... It also seems kind of like it's the least imaginative in terms of just the way that the relationship works. Like, at some point you have sex with Faulkner, and it just treats like, oh yeah, I know a, I know a bunch of things on how this works, while the other situations are very... I don't know, they're kind of mysterious and weird in interesting ways while Faulkner's just a short asshole. <laughs> or a tiny asshole. Yep. Uh, also, he's like the the least uh, like visually interesting as he's just like the tiny character with the mustache. He just looks like a dad. Like if he was in Dream Daddy, I wouldn't think twice about it. <laughs> <laughs> if he was in Dream Daddy, you'd like you'd learn later that he was a root and you'd be like, oh, really? Oh, I thought he was just some guy that was around. <laughs> yeah. OK. Yeah. In terms of the route that I liked the most, it was probably um, Prince Elkindir and his caretaker just because the the twist behind that legitimately caught me by surprise like you start get you you get the sense early on that he actually does no magic and he just downplays it a bit just because uh it's not legal where he's from so of course he he gets he gets his kicks by doing parlor tricks that he could easily i mean he's doing tricks that look like parlor tricks as an easy out like oh no i wasn't doing anything wrong this is just uh collection of cards or this rose I kept under my sleeve but then you find out that he's able to draw runes and he's the same character as the prince that you're escorting which is some real 999 style what the hell kind of thing 
I know, uh, I think we all listen to a podcast who has voiced an opinion on uh, time travel stories and the idea of, I knew I could do it because I already did it. Um, but I actually think it works pretty well here. I mean, the, the, the game doesn't dwell on it too much, but when there's, the, there's this moment where it's like, oh, you know, like, uh, no one can do time travel magic, but I managed to pull it off. And it's like, how did I pull it off? It's because I knew I could, because I already did. Um, and that actually kind of worked for me, because I just thought, you know, it was just sort of like a cute little... Like, in, in a game that has has an air of sort of, like, light, playful romance, I think it works pretty well. Totally, yeah. And it also helps that he's not the best at this time magic either. Like, at the end of the route, he, he disappears because he can only do it for a limited amount of time. And uh, there's already since... There's already the sense that he might have broken time itself because he did it, and because no one, there's no authority out there to be like, okay, here's the proper way to do it. He could just be screwing things up completely, and your presence even confirms that, like, that wasn't supposed to happen in his childhood vision, but uh, he had the hots for you, so he was like, okay, yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah, like I don't, I don't particularly find dwelling on the mechanics of time travel interesting in these, uh, so mm-hmm. it didn't matter to me how he did it. Uh, this was the first first route I took through the game, uh, which uh, maybe set a high standard that Faulkner let down, being the last character I went through. Um, but uh, I was surprised because I was expecting to really hate this one because she's like, "Oh, it's the young prince and the like vagabond traveler," and I was like, "I have to see how badly they handle all of this." Uh, and uh, ended up maybe being my favorite one uh, up there for sure. Um, I like this one in part because the ending is so re- fantastical, and the bad end is also like bittersweet and good in a way that some of the other ones are not. Uh, cause like in the good ending, he comes back and has figured out time travel In the bad end. You're like, well, I've learned from him and I'll make sure that he doesn't like the prince doesn't have to live the life that crow led. And either way, you're like forging a new timeline uh, because of this relationship. And I think that stuff's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great that he, he's like 10 years older because it took him an entire decade to figure out how to stay here permanently. So he looks a bit more haggard, has a full-on beard now. And he's like, well, I hope you don't mind that I'm a bit older now, but this this took a while. <laughs> and it's it's nice because it's like five mi- like maybe a few hours after you left him in the story. So it's, it's always fun where it's like, oh, I just saw you earlier, but now it's much, much. Now you're much, much older. <laughs> Though you do got to shave, my dude. True. He, he looks weird with the beard. beard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like the next most interesting one is uh, Tarun the dragon. Yeah, there's this sense that um, there's this underlying tension where as you he's essentially a dragon traveling in a human form which is very weak because he's a fire dragon and being around cold weather saps some of his energy. So a lot of it is him getting through this mountain, huddling very close to you so you two can share warmth. And at some point early on during that process, he makes this frightening face and has to hold himself back. And you find out that he's the dragon from one of your stories as a child who 
supposedly ate a princess that he married. And you kind of find out by talking to him that things aren't that simple, but there's still this underlying tension of, well, dragons really like to eat humans, even though they're not really supposed to, because the taste is incredible. And he he has a hard time differentiating whether he wants to kiss you or eat you, or both at the same time. Oh uh, yeah, the thing with this route for me is that this is the one that most requires you to be willing to stand up to what is ostensibly a love interest and just say, I'm not going to take your bullshit and insist on your personhood. Like, I think maybe to get the good ending, you have to believe that he's, you have to tell him that you believe he's totally capable of eating you and that that's fine. Like if you go, oh, I'm, you'll never do that. He just doesn't trust you enough to stand up for yourself, uh, which is the fundamental like, like linchpin of their relationship. Uh, mm. I, I, I like this one a lot because of that stuff. Also, uh, this one, I feel like this one has the most like one-off events. Like there's the thing with the, where he falls in the river, uh, and the, like where you meet his sister and all the stuff. Uh, the, one of the th complaints I have about this game is like, and part of this is because of the music, which we'll get to, but <laughs> so much of it feels like every story was like stuck within the same framework where you have the exact like three events that happen just with a different character. Um, I think this one's the one that most strays from that to me. Yeah. The sister is actually in the Kuya route, but uh, you do meet. Oh, right. Sorry. No yes. worries. You, you do meet a dragon that's been going around eating people. Um, and it's the whole reason for Tarun's trip. Like he has to go meet with uh, humans to um, work on the treaty and essentially apologize for this other dragon. And when the dragon's like, oh, hey, you have a human with you. Mind if I have a snack? And uh, Tarun just immediately transforms into his dragon form and is like, if you if you even dare to mess with me, I'm going to ruin you. And since Tarun is this massive respected dragon, this other homicidal dragon just scampers away in fear, which is pretty great. Yeah, it also has like the most fantastical ending where you fly away to the south on your dragon boyfriend. Yeah, that was something else. <laughs> Yeah, as I mentioned, this is the one where I got, like, I, I only did one pass on each one, and I got a bad ending here, and it felt like, it felt like a good lesson for me. This was the second route I did on a, and on the Kuya one, I got the good ending without even really trying. I just sort of got it, mm -hmm. um, with my instincts. But, um, I've played enough Otome games and stuff that I, I kind of played this like an Otome game. And I was like, oh no, just tell people what they want to hear and, you know, keep things going. And then Dan Turun was basically just like, yeah, you're like, I like you, but you also seem kind of dumb and to lack self-preservation, so <laughs> peace. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> interesting. Okay. Um, I felt like it was a really good lesson for me as the player of like what this game was about and that it wasn't as, as shallow in its choices as a lot of other games of its ilk. Yeah, early on he lets you know that he doesn't really kid around, even though he tries to do some jokes later and they fall flat. But uh, the sense is that you're supposed to take him pretty seriously. And also, the best part of that route for me was the part where it's like, well, I think I can be with you because I'm a knight and knights slay dragons. So if you if you try and eat me or do any of that shit, I'll just kill you. <laughs> and he respects that in a way, which is, yeah, that's pretty great. Mm -hmm. 
uh, the Kuya route, uh, by contrast to me, feels kind of like the goofiest one in some ways. Yeah. Uh, Not in a bad way, just in, like, he's the most boisterous, like, off-putting prince from the jump, and and the part where this all ends up being, like, a big sham, and you have to, like, take the role of the strong one, um, doesn't read as, like, it's trying to be, like, oh, look at this deep inversion, but is more just kind of, like, a light, you're, like, the sword boyfriend now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's the sense that he has absolutely zero self-preservation skills like he comes to this mountain wearing nothing but the what looks like the top of an outfit like the the shoulder pads of an outfit and he's like oh no it'll be fine i'm not gonna get cold at all this is the kind of weather that we're used to and of course he's lying through his teeth about that but there is the sense that he's almost a little too unbelievably silly with this stuff like I feel like even someone who's trying to look tough would at some point drop the charade a little bit more in order to survive a gigantic mountain. Yeah, they do have him ride or die with his with his his bit a little a little more than I feel like totally works. Like definitely I, I understand him wanting to look strong and tough. Um but like at the point where it's like he's pushing through a blizzard and like feels like he's about to die and he's still like i mean i don't really think we need to take a break it kind of stretches believability a bit yeah and uh the bit where he's almost i forget does he go into the actual river to take a small um shower or i mean to take a small bath or is he just washing his clothes and armor uh, he he goes into the river, he, yeah. he goes to wash his cloak and then decides he needs to just take a bath and thus you come across him naked on the in the middle of the freezing wastes. <laughs> yeah, which it, is a great image, but it's also one of those things where it's like, I, I don't think I particularly buy this character dropping into a frozen river on purpose just to get a small bath in. It, it, is, it is pretty great when towards the end, after you've been together for a while, um, you come out of the cave because he's not there. And his sister is like, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. My my brother is a total idiot. <laughs> he um, did, did he make you did he make you call him one of those ridiculous titles like your highness or your majesty or anything like that? <laughs> the, there, I do like how that wraps up with. Um, Rosemary essentially going you're being way too hard on him this is a little ridiculous like he Mm -hmm. is silly but apologizing for him to strangers and things like that is not a good look especially for someone that's your family and I also really like with that that part with his uh, sister like there's a part that, that just was one of the like since this was the first route I did it was one of the things again that sold me on this game was uh, his sister is talking to you and he's like, oh, did he, he told you that great hunter shit? Uh, yeah, we don't we do not do that because it turns out hunting for sport is shitty and that's bad to nature and like, fuck that. It's like, oh, hey, I, yeah, I'm down with that. That's good. Um, it just showed a little bit more like sensibility and thoughtfulness than I expected. Yeah, in so many, of, in so many fantasy stories like that, his... Um... This particular group of people would be characterized as 
tribal and um, animalistic and all sorts of uncomfortable cliches and metaphors about hunting, but seeing them go, oh no, we, we left that all behind a while ago and we we don't really work in that way. It was kind of a nice change of pace compared to how most characters that are orcish or look, in that, look like that get treated in fiction. Mm-hmm. Especially if you compare him to someone like a character in Warcraft, which is... yikes. So, I think we talked about it earlier, but should we talk about like some of the like the elements of the presentation of this game? Because it has a unique style, um, for better and, and a little bit for worse as well. Yeah, I felt like it was a little bit weird that uh, all the dialogue boxes had that white trimming on them when most of the game takes place within a giant snowstorm or on a snowy mountain. It, it feels like some of the UI elements kind of blended in or clashed in that regard, but... For the most part, it looks pretty good. For me, like, all of the, like, livery stuff feels like it's out of a game, uh, like, why can't I think of the the princess game we played? What's that called? Uh, Long Live the Queen? Yes. Uh, it feels like it's all out of a story like that, and not, like, the weird rugged snow adventure, and it's fine, but it does, like, lend it a, like, incongruous air to the whole thing, um... Like stylistically, the the actual thing that is most frustrating to me is the much advertised Toby Fox soundtrack of four yes. tracks that are all the most boring generic <laughs> nonsense in the world, and they loop forever. Yeah, the thing about that title track, um, if you've played uh, Deltarune, which came out uh, in at the end of October, they have that um, heroic um, trumpet thing at the beginning. And they use that as a joke in that game. So to see how it was initially used completely seriously and part of a bad loop in the game that it was from is kind of disheartening. I have a recommendation for people. After you've done two routes and you're like, man, I'm just really sick of this music and you want to do your third route, uh, go in, turn off the volume, go to YouTube, and put on the extended version of Sail the Canals from Mario Party 7. Uh, really, really choice track um, <laughs> that I think will add a lot to the uh, ambiance. I just did the last route this morning in silence. Just didn't turn. I put my headphones on. Just played it with nothing, and it was fine. It was good. Yeah, Toby, you didn't you didn't kill this one. Yeah. Also, when you're when you've gone through one of the two routes for the various characters, and you're starting to use the skip function. The music often breaks to the yes. point where, yeah, suddenly you'll hear two tracks playing at the same time, and it's chaotic. And yeah, I, f- I think that if you're going to have a skip function like that, that should probably be something that get- gets looked at at some point. Mm-hmm. I, it was Because of the skip function, it was nice to go back and play like for the bad ends and just like finish a route in about five minutes. Because there's very little difference in the paths past, like the actual like last couple paragraphs of writing. Hmm. Yeah, it was nice. Like, um, it, it made it a lot easier to see everything in the game, which is a huge plus, especially if you're running a podcast that devotes itself to talking about the whole game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, One thing I want to especially point out is I really love Rosemary's outfit. Yeah. I 
I think she looks awesome. Um, pretty much everyone else in the game like looks fine. I don't have a problem with it, but Rosemary's outfit actually looks really cool to me. Yep, I like her giant sword. It's very good. Yeah. Yeah. I did kind of like Tarun's because it's just as many layers of clothing as you can stack onto one person while still working through a snowstorm. But uh, yeah, Rosemary's outfit is definitely the best thing, uh, the best outfit in this game. Yeah, Tarun does that. Like, as a person who's not used to being in human form and is also very cold sensitive, Tarun has this look like he just, like, closed his eyes and ran full speed through a thrift store. Yes, um, it's really it's, good. It's, it's a good look. <laughs> yeah, and it's mentioned that he can barely move his arms under it either. So there's one part where his scarf gets caught on a on a branch and he's just trying to shake himself off of it. So you have to go over and remove the scarf yourself and rewrap it around him, which is pretty great. Uh, so, uh, and I guess I have a, a final question for you. Uh, what fighting game should Rosemary be in? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, if like without changing any of like her color treatment or design, I want her in Dark Souls. Oh, not a fighting game, but just a bright, cheery knight with a giant sword running around Dark Souls sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty great. And Rosemary herself being very. I don't know, very shy and socially awkward, but also willing to stand up for herself would be a nice contrast to all the other characters going, are either laughing about how you're going to die or are sad because they're going to die. You need like a button to like slap people upside the head though. You're like, oh, you've gone hollow. Uh, ow! <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> yeah. In terms of fighting games though, she has a sword, so probably Soul Calibur, since... That's the big weapon fighting game. I kind of want her in Smash Bros. just so that people start complaining about another Fire Emblem character because no one knows what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be great. Uh, her final Smash could just be kissing whoever she's with. It'll be good. She'll just blush and then they'll flap the screen. That sounds great. I mean, that's basically what people just do with the screenshot functionality in Smash anyway. So, yep. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, built in. <laughs> Is there anything else we want to touch on in regards to Rosemary herself? Like, uh, I, I did enjoy the way that she gets a bit homesick from time to time and that uh, it she's more or less chasing her childhood dream by trying to become a knight, but isn't, in some cases, she isn't entirely attached to the idea of becoming a knight, it's, um, a knight herself. Like, there's this idea that when she was a, the thing, as she grew older and as she got into the knight for a higher business herself, she started to realize it's less about being a knight and more about being there to help people or being there to do victorious deeds. And seeing her struggle with uh, her chosen career path and wondering or entertaining the idea of maybe doing something else in her life is interesting to see, especially since... Especially how that gets affected by having other people she really, really likes around her. Like, entertaining the notion of, maybe I could just run away with them and do something else entirely. Because I really want to stick around with them. Yeah, I, I appreciate that they invest in her like a fundamental competence, even if she doesn't necessarily believe in herself all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. So often with 
like this style of game even like something like uh ghost of miami uh the character is shown as being like kind of bad at their job and struggling and they're just in this world as like an innocent child trying to find their way and you don't really get that sense off of rosemary even if she's depicted as kind of a like naive character who is young in this space um and also like she wants a thing and goes out and gets it and she's good at her job uh, in a way, like, I wasn't on the Hakuoki episode, but the character in that, like, travels to a new land to become, like, a samurai with a sword and spends the entire game, like, gape-jawed looking at everyone else be cool. And Yeah, that was one of my biggest complaints, for sure. Uh, Rosemary will never be that character. Like, she left her farm and is out here with her sword and her loneliness, and she's going to get it done. And I love that about her. Yeah, and she's allowed to be incredibly strong, too. Like... There's that fight with the dire boar in Kuya's route, and at some point, if you're choosing to fight the um, boar, one of the things you do is you pick up Kuya, who's this gigantic person. Um, essentially, princes carry him in that pose, and you're jumping, you're jumping pretty high with him too, yes. jumping around this boar and then outrunning a boar holding this gigantic man. And that's like, this is so awesome. She is so awesome. Yeah, the first time I saw, like, I remember since Kuya was the first route I did, um, you know, you you sort of see, like, you see her initial design and you see that sword and it's kind of like, like, the way they start the story is her talking about, like, I'm a knight or I'd like to be. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. Otome game. Sure. Um, and then you see the size of her sword. It's like, she probably can barely even wield that thing. Okay, I get it, game. And then she draws this gigantic fucking sword with one hand. And it's just like, oh, all right. <laughs> she knows her shit. And I was I was very into that as well. Yeah. And I think at, I think every route has at least... Well, I guess Tarunes doesn't really have any monster encounter, does it? Aside from that other <laughs> dragon. But yeah, the rest of them have rosemary proving her skills to these other people like uh even with the case of the um night owl when you're dealing with crow the night owl basically being possessed to be up during the day she gets a good slice in on the owl's hand either way like regardless of whether it's her using her sword or a knife that she's also keeping with her she seems prepared for essentially anything and also, when she's talking with the people that she's going with, she she seems to know the mountain, mountain front and back and uh, is aware of all the various animals that come out at daytime, at nighttime, and all that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's really great to have the protagonist that's completely competent at her job, but is also looking for a relationship. That, that, that's not something you often see with games like this. Mm-hmm. Try and think if there's anything else to touch on. It's a, nothing comes to mind. Yeah, it's a relatively short game, so there's not too many twists and turns beyond the wild time travel thing that happens with the prince. Yeah, I, we'll get this out. Here's a twist: Kuya was actually cold the whole time. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I should have spoiled that one. My bad. Okay, um, so I think everyone on this podcast recommends this game, and uh, aside from thing, little things like the soundtrack, which 
you can just as easily switch off if you have anything else that sounds better. Like the that Mario part that Mario Party track you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was definitely a sincere recommendation. <laughs> um, we didn't have any questions this time, I believe. Uh, I didn't have any emails. If people want to send us emails, send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com and we will answer them. Yeah. And, and just to reiterate, it doesn't have to be about the game that we're talking about this month. Yeah. It could be about any of the other games. Or you could even write us recommendations about games you want to see us play. And then um, for January, we have something that's a bit more mechanically focused. It's a uh, Pyre from Supergiant Games. It's this, um, it's kind of like a cross between a wasteland story and um, a sports title. Because essentially you have these characters that are, you're, you're going around with these characters and competing in this game that is uh, has religious significance for the specific land that you're in. In the hopes of racing above where you currently are and yeah it seems like it's pretty cool come on and slam and welcome to the jam <laughs> um also a slight update uh shortly like like two weeks after we released our last episode uh subsurface quarantine did come out on switch if that's how you're playing those i have not picked it up yet but it is a real thing now oh, okay that's good to know Maybe we could check it out one of these days. It did seem kind of interesting. So, uh, I guess that's uh, everything. Where where can people find you, too? If you want to find me on the internet, I recommend going to Twitter. You can find me at SixDetmar, S-I-X-D-E-T-T-M-A-R. And then I have a pinned tweet there basically explaining everything that I get up to, because it takes too long to explain otherwise. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. And if you want to listen to another game club, you can listen to Abnormal Mapping uh, at thebestgame.club where we talk about video games. Um, this is our December episode, right? This isn't January. Uh, right. <laughs> so this month is just a like end of the year music and top 10 episode. Next month, we are doing Final Fantasy XII, uh, which is taking up all my time. So look forward to that. Imagine. Yeah, and having listened to the end of the year episode last year, um, I can say with some confidence that those are pretty good, so you'll probably want to listen to that. Especially if you have a long drive because during the holidays, because it's nice to have a bit of commentary interspersed with these long music tracks. And yeah, uh, yeah. and you can find me at JBU3 on Twitter and um, most of my writing and podcasting are going um, between Scanline Media and that Patreon, and uh, at some point we'll be launching a Danganronpa podcast in case you enjoyed that V3 episode, so or with a different set of co-hosts, so stay People tuned. Like Danganronpa. If you enjoyed, yeah, if you enjoyed Danganronpa, that V3 episode had a very specific dynamic that I worry won't be represented on your new show. Yeah, true. Anyway, um, that I think that's everything. So um, we'll see you in January when we um, discuss Pyre. Peace. All right.